Let your word speak to us. Let your Holy Spirit illuminate the truth that you want to highlight in each one of our lives, individually and together. Help us as we share your word today, and we give you so much thanks for your word, for your abiding presence with us. We're grateful. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at different people who were at the cross, um, and today I want us to look at um, a lady who was there. Uh, we're just a few weeks out from Easter, and Easter is perhaps the most significant date in all of human history. And as believers, it's the day that we celebrate I'm not sure why, but we'll try. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and Jesus is alive, amen? No, no, he is alive, amen? He is alive, and he lives and reigns, and sin and death have been defeated. So we celebrate Passover, um, commonly on the calendar as Easter, but it's really Passover. And here's the thing, there's no Passover, there's no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. And uh, so uh, we invite you to join us then as well. There's no resurrection without the crucifixion. So in this series, at the cross, we're going back over 2,000 years to the first Good Friday in Jerusalem. To those six hours that Jesus hung on the cross to look at the cross and the power of the cross through the eyes of those that were there. Last week we began the series and Pastor Roger talked about the Roman soldier and how he was a hardened, he had a hardened and skeptic heart. And how he was changed by the power of the cross. And today we're going to look at the cross through the eyes of a lady who was there at the foot of the cross on that first Good Friday. But who honestly throughout history has been very misunderstood. And you can see some notes in your bulletin if you want to take some notes and jot along with us. But let me just set the scene again for us. Jesus is on the cross. He's moments away from his last breath. The Roman soldiers are there. They're dividing up his clothes. They're gambling over who's going to take his robe home. And it's at this point in the story that we see who was willing to be there at the cross with Jesus during his last moments. We find the story in John chapter 19, verse 25. It says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. We're looking at Mary Magdalene this morning. Now, we don't know everyone who was there at the cross with Jesus, but it seems that most of his disciples, those who were supposed to be closest to him, those who'd promised to go to the very end with him, many of them were not there. But here scripture tells us that there were some specific women who were courageous enough and who were faithful enough to be there. Three of them had the name Mary. But it's the final Mary mentioned here, Mary Magdalene, that I want us to look at. Throughout history and in popular fiction, Mary Magdalene has been the subject of a lot of rumors and a lot of conspiracy theories and popular myths. She comes to be a woman who has quite a reputation, but let me ask, who is the real Mary Magdalene? The truth is, 
We don't know a lot about Mary because she's only mentioned a handful of times in the New Testament, but she's there at Jesus' last moment on the cross. I want to debunk for a moment some of the popular myths that are out there about Mary Magdalene. Myth number one was that Magdalene was her last name. Well, Magdalene wasn't her last name. It was actually the city where she was from, the city of Magdala. It's significant because Magdala was a thriving town on the Sea of Galilee. It was known for its textiles. It was known for its fine dyes, which meant that it was a city of trade and of wealth. In fact, it's believed that Mary or someone in her family might have been involved in this industry because, as we're going to find out later, she had some financial means about her and her family did, and we're going to come back to that. But myth number one, Magdalene wasn't her last name. It was where she was born. Myth number two, this is a myth made popular by the popular book and movie, The Da Vinci Code. Myth number two is that Mary was Jesus' wife or that they had a romantic relationship or was his girlfriend. Totally made up story. There's no evidence historically or biblically that she was anything other than a faithful follower and a supporter of Jesus Christ. Those are myths that didn't pop up until the Middle Ages somewhere. And uh, there's a third myth, and that is that Mary was a prostitute. Now, this myth about Mary got started around the 6th century, many years, centuries after her death. Pope Gregory was the first to associate Mary with the repentant prostitute in the New Testament. And that's why if you find some classic paintings of Mary, you'll see her portrayed in this light, but it's actually not true. It makes for a good Hollywood story, but there's no evidence to back that up. There's no biblical, no historical evidence to say that. So Magdalene wasn't her last name. She wasn't Jesus' wife, and she wasn't a prostitute either. The truth is, Mary was none of these, but what she was was fiercely devoted to Jesus and unwavering in her commitment to him as her Savior. So much so that at the cross, when even Jesus' closest disciples had deserted him and abandoned him, she was still there to the very end. You see, in Mary Magdalene, we find a life of profound devotion to Jesus Christ. And it's important for you and I, because those of us who are followers of Jesus, it's so easy in life to lose our passion for God and to fall away from God's plan for our life, to get distracted or afraid or angry, or we become so self-absorbed that we lose our connection to God. You know, we sometimes we try to find our purpose or our meaning in someone or something other than God. And when that happens, life begins to feel futile and frustrating and even scary. You see, the key is to stay close to Jesus, to stay devoted to him in all circumstances and through everything we go through in life. You see, that's an important lesson I think we can learn from Mary today. I want to, as you look in your notes inside your bulletin, we're going to discover how we how you and how I can be like Mary and live lives of full devotion to Jesus Christ. There's some amazing lessons we can learn from this lady's life. What does it take to, fully, to be fully devoted to Jesus Christ? We're going to look at a few decisions that she had to make. And here's the first one she made. We have to allow Jesus and allow God to restore our broken life. Allow God to restore our broken life. You know, at the end of Jesus' life, Mary is right there at the cross with him. But you need to understand that Mary's journey with Jesus began before that. 
before she met Jesus, before she became a devoted follower of Jesus, like many of us, Mary had a broken life. And many in this room, you came to Christ with a broken life. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. It's sort of at the beginning of Christ's ministry, and he's teaching, and he's traveling, and he's healing people, and this is what it says. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about God's kingdom. He took his 12 disciples with him. And then it says, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Now, Scripture tells us that Mary had been possessed by seven demons. Now, understand that at that point, she would have been considered an outcast. She would have been considered as impure. There would have been a stigma about him. There would have been a reputation attached to her. It's at, at this broken state in the midst of whatever's going on here that Mary first meets Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know exactly what happened, but at some point in the interaction, Jesus heals her. And he sets her free, and as a result, she decides she's going to follow Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know everything exactly, but we know this. Before Mary met Jesus, her life was completely messed up. Anybody here completely messed up before you met Jesus? Amazing. We were, and she was messed up. Everything was going wrong. She had influences in her life that were not good. She was broken. She was lost. But it was after she met Jesus that everything changed. She was restored. In fact, so much happened in her life that she was committed to follow Jesus even to the cross when it was dangerous to be associated with Jesus. Now, you may not be facing seven demons in your life right now, but like Mary, some in this room might be feeling pretty broken. Maybe there's a part of your life right now that feels like it's in shambles. And maybe you feel like your career's broken. Maybe you feel like you're at a dead-end job and you can't get out of it. Or your personal life is broken. You thought by this point in your life you would be fill in the blank. But it hasn't played out that way. Or maybe your marriage is broken. Your financial life is broken. Your family's broken. Your life is broken, and right now, you honestly, you don't know how to put all those broken pieces back together again, and you don't see a bright light at the end of the tunnel. You don't see how God could possibly bring something good out of the mess that you find yourself in. The truth is, we're all broken to some extent. All of us. You may not have a failing marriage. You may not be on the verge of financial disaster, but because of sin... We're broken on the inside. And the Bible says, you and I, we were all created in the image of God. That's God's divine image. His divine spark is in all of us. We were all created in God's image. But sin has come into our life and it's broken that image. It's shattered that image image in our life. In other words, we don't resemble who God originally created us to be. As a result, we were hurting, we were empty, we were lost confused, angry, broken people because sin has separated us from God and separated us from who God originally created us to be. We felt that brokenness. And many, if not all, in this room, we came to that point when we realized we needed Jesus Christ to forgive us and put us back together. And aren't you so glad that he did? Aren't you so glad that it wasn't a one-time work, but he's continually working in our life, continually restoring us to the image of his Son, 
But we felt that brokenness in our life each and every day. But when you look at Mary's life, we see that God specializes. He specializes in restoring broken people. People who are cracked and maybe you feel like your life has been completely shattered. But Jesus can heal you and Jesus can restore a life that is broken to that which was his original purpose to be whole and healthy and strong. In fact, look at the promise in Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. It says that Jesus heals our broken hearts. He bandages our wounds. If you're broken or you're feeling broken, remember, you're not an accident. God created you. He has a purpose. He has a plan for your life. If you'll trust him, he'll take those broken pieces of your life and he can begin to put them back together into something that's more beautiful than you could ever imagine. We're probably all familiar with a song written years ago by Bill Gaither. Something beautiful, something good. And Jesus came and he put us back together. And there's power in his name and there's power in who he is and power in his word and the broken areas of your life. He wants to help us to be restored again. But that's just the beginning. To be fully devoted to Jesus, yes, I allow God to put together those broken pieces of my life. But there's more. Mary made a second decision. And that was, I decide to utilize my gifts to serve others. We learn from Mary that once God puts those broken pieces together or begins to do so, that I need to use my gifts to serve others. After Mary was restored, she showed her devotion by using her gifts to serve Jesus and to serve others. You know, Mary went from brokenness to a woman who was devote, who devoted her everyday life to serving Jesus and his mission. We see it throughout the Gospels. Mary went where Jesus went. She used her gifts, she used her talents, she used her abilities, she used her very life to serve Jesus in any way that she could, whether it was providing food for him and his disciples or a place to stay, she helped the mission in any way that she could. In other words, Mary was all in for Jesus. She was devoted. And I want you to think about how profound this is. Jesus heals her. He removes the stigma from her life, heals her, She could have said, thanks, Jesus, you've healed me. Now I can go back to living the way that I did before. I can just go do my thing. She could have done that. Maybe some of us would have done that. But instead, out of gratitude, she said, I'm going to use my gifts. I'm going to use my talent. I'm going to give my time to serve you, Jesus, and to bless others. See, you and I, we face the same choice in our lives. When we encounter Jesus and he begins to heal us, begins to put us together again, heal the broken areas of our life, we have a choice to either going to use our restored lives to serve him or we're going to use our restored lives and live for ourselves. All of us here today, we have gifts and talents that God has given us, but he hasn't given us those gifts and those talents just to keep hidden or just to use for ourselves. He's given us these gifts and talents to use to serve other people and serve his mission. I'm not going to go into a study necessarily about um, women and their role in ministry, but it would be interesting, and, and you, you would find it interesting to notice how many times in Scripture, especially around the um, death and crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus Christ, that 
the ones who Jesus first revealed himself to and acknowledged who he was was to women. And oftentimes it says the disciples and some women. And so there's an amazing study that could be made on the role and importance of uh, what Jesus placed on the ministry of women and their importance in uh, the Christian ministry and life. And so you can read that for yourself, but over and over, even in, in these passages of Scripture that we're looking at at the cross, women are mentioned. She was devoted. And uh, it's amazing what, what God has done in her life. And so 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. You're all gifted. Say, I'm gifted. No, did you believe it? I'm gifted. We're all gifted. Here's the thing. The gifts that you have, the talents that you have, the things that you love to do, they're not an accident. It wasn't like we used to buy, I don't know if you can get them anymore. Remember you used to buy popcorn and the popcorn came with this little prize. You had no choice what the prize was. But, um, and the gifts you have were not necessarily a choice, but God gave them to you as gifts. And he gave them to you for a reason. They make up who you are. He created you with that ability. And then the scripture says, use them well to serve one another. Use them well to serve one another. Out of gratefulness for what God has given us and done in our life, we serve him. We serve others, like Mary. We decided you, you want to help with Jesus' mission in any way you can. Or have you gotten to the flow of just kind of, you know, it's me, it's my, my thing, and, and, you know, it's all about me.com. We may, not, we may not verbalize it or voice it, but I want us to think for a moment about the gifts that he's given you, the passion that he's given you, the things that you like to do, the things that you're really good at, those things that when other people see you doing it, they come up to you and say, you're really good at this. Someone needs to design a new microphone. You're really good at this. I wish you could do more. Let me ask you, could you use those gifts and could you use those passions to serve Jesus and others? God has healed our brokenness. Now he wants to use us. Do you have a heart for kids? You could be a part of transit. Use your time to invest in the next generation. Do you have a heart for people? Are you really outgoing? You love connecting with people? You could be one of those on our welcome team and help our church demonstrate friendliness and love and welcoming those who attend and those who come. Do you have artistic gifts? Could you use those gifts as part of our worship team to help bring people into the presence of God through worship? No matter what your gifts are, God can use you. You can be a blessing to those around you and to your church family. Find a place to use your gifts because you cannot say that you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus if we're not using our gifts to serve him and serve others. Let's not allow our past. Mary Magdalene didn't. Don't allow your past to disqualify you from being used by God. It's easy for us to say at times, well, others can do it. I'm not really good enough. Um, But listen, God has healed you and touched you and ministered to you in your brokenness so that you could just, not so you could just take up space, but that out of the health now of your life and the healing of your brokenness can be utilized to help and to minister to other people. Someone who struggled with an addiction for years, but then kicked that addiction, helping someone else get through their addiction. God 
healed your brokenness. Now he wants, you to, wants to use you to serve others. So to be fully devoted to Jesus, we learn this from Mary. Allow God to restore my broken life. Allow him to use my gifts to serve others. Another decision she made, and that was to give generously to God's mission. See, Mary in Scripture, she not only used her gifts to serve Jesus, but she used her money and resources to help fund God's mission. It's kind of really cool to read about, but Mary gave generously to make Christ's mission successful. Luke chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, it says, Among them, we're talking about a group of supporters of Jesus, among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and get this, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. They were helping his ministry, and Mary contributed to Jesus and his disciples' ministry from her own resources so that Jesus and his disciples could carry out their mission. By the way, it's not like this was a one-time event. It was continuous. Jesus, for three and a half years, traveled around from town to town ministering to people, him and his disciples. They had to eat. They had to have a place to stay. They needed supplies. And Mary's generosity, along with that of others, made Jesus' teaching and ministry possible. Listen, just like Mary, if we're going to truly live lives devoted to God, how we invest our finances is going to reflect that. Our lives will model generosity if we're fully devoted to Jesus. And you know, God blesses us financially, not just so I can keep it all for myself, but so that I can use it and use part of it to bless others. In other words, Jesus blesses me so that I can bless others. I'm blessed to be a blessing. It's foundational to the life of devotion. It's also key for us as a church. If we're going to be able to carry on Christ's mission, and as the church, our mission here in Calgary is to carry on the mission that Christ started And his mission for the church is to be a bright light in the world. And sometimes the world seems so covered in darkness. Our mission statement, and you find it every week in the bulletin, here at North Death Family Church is that we exist to build a church family that loves God and loves each other. To equip people that will impact our communities, our city and world. To build a worshiping congregation that enjoys intimacy with God. And it's the generous giving of people here at Northwest Family Church. And I commend that makes it possible to fulfill that mission. Second Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Our reward, or that which we reap when we give generously to our church, is something far greater than money or possessions. What you reap is, passing, is seeing your friends, your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, seeing their lives changed by Christ because you gave generously. It's exciting to see the kids that return year after year in the summer to our VBS program and to see some of them grow and develop and now become junior leaders and leaders as their lives have been transformed and changed as they have served and as they have attended here. And that too is uh, possible because of people's giving, your faithful giving. Another area that is, is a great investment is investment into our youth where our youth are gearing up to go to YC, and, and yeah, they're going to have a few one, uh, fundraisers and sell some squares and cookies and, and whatever, but they really need some people to get behind them and to say, okay, I, w- I want to support some of our youth to go. I want to provide a, call it a scholarship or whatever, to help them um, as they go, and they're staying in a hotel and riding a bus to get there, and 
And not only that, but be praying for them as they go. We have some 25 to 27 youth going. And what an opportunity to be praying into their lives as they go to Red Deer May Long Weekend and enjoy the ministry of, of uh, the word and, and music that maybe some of you wouldn't enjoy, but they really get a bang out of it. And uh, so just let's, there's an area where we can help and we can get behind them and to support them. So because of generosity of people, other ministries here at the church are able to flourish. Now understand this, even if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we're totally committed to Jesus Christ, he heals our brokenness, we're using our gifts and our talents for him, we're being generous with our life, even if we do all that, it doesn't mean that you're going to live a life void of problems. It doesn't mean that. It does mean that you're not going to have, uh, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have heartache or things that are going to come in your life. Even after God has been active in your life and you're being faithful, you know this, hard times will come. How many have experienced any hard time at all in life since you've become a Christian? Anybody? I'm not saying that it, it's a thing that destroys you or whatever, but life is life. And we do experience some things. We do experience uh, the death of a loved one. We do experience some setbacks, maybe financial. We do experience uh, um, maybe some health issues, whatever. But it doesn't mean God isn't there to heal. God isn't there to restore. God isn't there to provide for us and get us through life. But, but when those hardships and things come, we learn from Mary Magdalene that we have to be ready to make this next decision, the fourth one, to be fully devoted to Jesus, remain faithful during the tough times. One characteristic of devotion is that you don't give up when the going gets tough. You don't quit when times get hard. You stick with it. It's really easy to be devoted when everything's going your way, right? When everything's just going hunky-dory. It's great. But we see from Mary and other disciples' lives that when things got tough, they were still there, they were still committed, they were still a follower, they were still faithful to Jesus Christ. It's easy to be devoted when there aren't any hiccups and there's nothing going wrong. But it's a little bit more difficult to remain devoted when time gets hard. When the going gets tough, it's so easy to throw in the towel and not be devoted. And obviously for Mary, this was a tough time. She she modeled a devotion to Jesus by remaining faithful during the tough time. You go back to the cross on that day. Where we find that Jesus had just been hung on the cross. He's just been crucified. There he hangs. And Mary's there, faithful. Mary's mentioned in all four Gospels. We've read about her so far in two of them. In the third Gospel, this is how we know it was significant to all the people in the early church that Mary was at the cross because it was mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark chapter 15, it says, some women who were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene. They'd been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Now, obviously, this is a tough time. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's about to breathe his last breaths. For his followers, all hope maybe seems lost. But here, even in this dark moment we find Mary Magdalene she was faithful to the very end even when the disciples had deserted her, her Jesus she was still there she didn't run many of them had already deserted Jesus it wasn't safe 
to be in Jerusalem and be identified as a follower of Christ because they looked at Jesus as being someone who was radical. He'd upset the whole religious and political system. And so anyone that day that was identified as being a follower of Christ, like Peter was, who denied Jesus three times. Jesus was his most famous and outspoken disciple. The one who'd promised Jesus, I'll go all the way. I'll go to the grave with you. I'll go all the way to death with you, Jesus. And the night before, he denied even knowing who Jesus was three times. But not Mary. Mary was devoted. She was faithful to the very end. Listen. Here's why I think this is true. Mary had been in a place in her life where she was rejected by society. She'd been demon-possessed. Everyone in her life had turned their back on her, but Jesus didn't. And it's the same today, friends. May turn their back on you, but folks, Jesus never will. He'll always, always be there. And so, for her, this is a powerful example for us of her faithfulness. Devotion leads to courage that gets us through those incredibly tough times. Maybe you've experienced a loss recently. Devotion leads to courage so you don't give up during those times when you don't have a job. Devotion leads to courage to stick it out in your marriage when it's struggling. Devotion leads to courage even in those times when You've lost a loved one. Devotion leads to courage when you don't know what direction to take in life and you're feeling lost. Devotion leads to courage as you live out your faith in the workplace and in school when it's not very popular to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Devotion leads to courage. During tough times, we're all tempted to doubt, run away, maybe give up. Don't. We can learn from Mary that you can trust Jesus even during those darkest of times. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So from Mary, we learn how to be fully devoted to Jesus by allowing God to restore my broken life, utilize our gifts to serve others, give generously, remain faithful even during the tough times. The final decision that we learn from Mary is this. I keep my focus on eternity. I keep my focus on eternity. One of the reasons that Mary remained faithfully devoted to Jesus, even at the cross, was because she was focused on eternity. She was focused on the bigger picture. You know, we think back to a lot of the the hymns we used to sing years and years ago about, you know, this life is not my home, just a passing through, and we're pilgrims walking through this land, and, you know, our real destination and home is heaven. And sometimes maybe we get Velcro on our fingers or our bodies and we stick to too many things here on earth. But, folks, we're just passing through. This life is, is just here for a while and then it's gone. James talks about it as a vapor, uh, a fleeting um, mist. And so it's, it, it's, it's only here for a while. And so she remained focused and fully devoted to Jesus because she was focused on the big picture. At the foot of the cross, Mary had hope. She hadn't given up her faith in Jesus. She believed that everything that he had said was true. And even in her moment of despair at the cross, she knew that somehow this wasn't the end. I want us to remember this morning. It's interesting. Mary's last name, her her last name wasn't Magdalene. 
it, it was where she was from. She was from the city of Magdala by the Sea of Galilee. It was a city of trade. It was known for its textiles. It was known for its dyes. It's interesting because we know this was with textiles and fabrics that... Um, family was a family that had um, acquired wealth and things through the industry of textiles and clothing, and it was that which she used to help support the ministry of Jesus Christ. But when you get a piece of cloth or textile, we all know what it's like when it gets stained. Um, Certain stains are almost impossible to remove and very difficult to remove, and sometimes maybe we think that our life has become too stained. It's just too much gone on in our life that we could ever be freed from, forgiven of, or erased, or eradicated in our life. But friends, there is no stain. There is nothing in our life that we've ever done or been a part of that God cannot forgive and God cannot cleanse. Because the power of his blood and the power of his forgiveness is so great. When the Lord says he created us, he's got a plan for our life, and sometime maybe in our life we said, well, no, thank you, God, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to you know, just do, do my thing, and, and sin came into our life, and we, we uh, began to do our own thing. Listen, friends, separate, sin, yes, separates us from God. When sin comes into our life where we were once pure and it stains us, sin separates us from his peace, his presence, his power. And, uh, but I want to tell you, the Bible says that when God saw your and my situation, and he stepped out of heaven, and he came to earth, as a babe, lived his life, gave his life on the cross that we celebrate and we think about, especially during these next few weeks. He gave his life for us, took the penalty of all of our brokenness and all of our sin that we might experience health and wholeness and healing and life once again and restore our relationship with our Heavenly Father. He takes the broken pieces and puts them together again. He takes a stained life that couldn't possibly be made clean again. He makes it clean so we can stand before God in the righteousness and holiness of Jesus Christ. That which was stained becomes pure again. And that's what God does. That's the power of God. Isn't something you and I can do for ourselves? We try to do this in our own way and we only fall flat. We can't do it on our own. It's only the power of Jesus. Only Jesus can do this in our lives. He's the only one that can take something that was stained and make it clean again. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come now. Let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, I will make them white as wool. No matter how badly we've been broken, no matter how badly stained our life has been by sin through the cross, Jesus can make us white as snow. Now, snow is maybe not a very popular word right now in Calgary, but the picture is so clear. He can make us white as snow. He can take the broken pieces. He can put them back together. He can make in your life and mine something beautiful. He did it for Mary. He did it for many. And he did it. He can do it for you. Maybe you accepted Christ. And over through time, whatever your your zeal, your fervor for Christ has waned. And you've allowed some things to, you know, 
migrate into your life and you're wondering, I wonder, can he still take the broken pieces of my life today and make them whole? Can he still cleanse me from those things that I've done? I don't know how many times I've heard from people who are endeavoring to serve Christ to say, well, you know, I blew it. I bombed out. Will he forgive me again? Scripture says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and you're concerned and wondering whether or not he can heal the brokenness of your life, I want to reaffirm to you today and tell you, yes, he can, yes, he wants to, and if you let him, yes, he will. He will. We could have people in this room stand and testify, as I know some of their stories of how God has healed and cleansed and cleaned them up and made them brand new people again. He did it for them. He did it for Mary. He can do it for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the examples we find in Scripture. How you've taken lives that were broken, they were in a mess. You've taken them and cleansed them, put them together, healed their brokenness, restored again the purpose of God for their life, given them value, removed the shame and all the things that were attached to them. You've given them acceptance and love and freedom. And friend, if you're here today and you're a believer and you've allowed things to migrate into your life that have once again stained your life and are creating thoughts and doubts and things in your life where you've allowed self or sin or something to affect your life and your relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to say if you'll let Jesus heal you, he'll take away those things if you'll just ask him You'll ask him for his forgiveness and repent of all those things. Say, Jesus, will you heal my life again? Will you put together again the brokenness in my life and restore to me the joy of my salvation? Friend, I assure you, he will do it. And he'll do it this morning for you. So I just wonder if there's anyone here this morning, you'd say, Pastor, there's broken areas of my life. I've been endeavoring to serve the Lord, and, but I've got brokenness. I've got things that shouldn't be there. and I need the Lord Jesus to heal those broken areas of my life. And this morning I say, by raising my hand, I surrender to Jesus, and I repent of those things that I've allowed to come in, and I ask for him to heal my brokenness. If you're here this morning, and that's you, you've been a believer, and you're endeavoring to serve the Lord, but... You just know there's some brokenness in your life. And you'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? We'd love to pray with you. Thank you. He's the healer of broken hearts. He's the healer of brokenness in our life. Or maybe you're here today and your life is not one where you could say you're a committed follower and believer in Jesus Christ. And you just really need to start at the basics. Recognize that Yes, you need Jesus to forgive you and, and come into your life and heart and take away all the sin, stigma, 
and place his Holy Spirit in your life to give you the power to stand firm to be who he has created and wants you to be. Restore your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And you'd say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a valid follower of Jesus Christ. And I would like to ask Jesus Christ to come into my life this morning. You'd say, Pastor, that's me. And you'd raise your hand and say, yes, would you pray for me? Because he loves you so much, so much. Lord, I thank you. Your Holy Spirit is speaking. Your Holy Spirit is touching hearts and lives. And you're the one who transforms and changes us. Man doesn't do it. You do. So, Lord, I thank you for that which you are doing right now in people's hearts. I pray, God, that those who have truly been endeavoring to serve you and love you, and yet they find difficulties in their life, Lord Jesus, I ask for the strength and the power of God to be so evident in their life. Lord, you're the best friend we could ever have. I thank you for that. Touch your people through the season. Lord, help us to share the message of Passover, the cross, when the blood of Jesus was shed and for the remission of all of our sin. Help us, Lord, to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, especially during the season when, Lord, so much focus is upon things around the Easter season, Good Friday, resurrection. I thank you, God, that we have been given so many opportunities to share you. Bless your people. So, friends, I say the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance on you, and give you peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.